Fangraphs Audio. I am your host, Carson Sestouli, Fangraphs contributor. Today's episode represents a guilty pleasure for me, as we're able to offer you an interview with one of the big names of Sabermetrics, Rob Nyer. Much as we did for Jonah Carey a couple weeks ago, we use this opportunity to get a Rob Nyer status update. In so doing, Nyer discusses his role and experiences at this past weekend's MIT Sloan Sporting Analytics Conference. He discusses what he views as his roles, both in the sabermetric community and also in the sporting journalism community. Finally, I ask Nyer the tough question. Why is my Rob Nyer baseball team so bad? This sort of hard-hitting journalism and more follows in this episode of Fangraphs Audio. Welcome to the Fangraphs podcast. Once again, I am Carson Stooley. Joining me today is a man who, for the certainly for the average Fangraphs listener slash reader, will need nothing in the way of the introduction. However, you will definitely know him from his his blog at ESPN.com, Sweet Spot, The Sweet Spot. His name is Rob Nyer. Hello, Rob. Hey, Carson. Hey, Rob. Uh, Rob, I think that it, it might be funny for our, some of our listeners because they'll know that I live in Portland and they know that you live in Portland. Uh, why, why we're doing this by phone? But it's it's because uh, you know you said straight out you wouldn't want someone like me near your house. <laughs> <laughs> now, Carson, you've actually been in my house many times, even when I wasn't here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, I will return all of those things that I stole. I'm sorry about that. Um, well, Rob, you're on for a whole bunch of reasons. You know, I did something with Jonah not too long ago that it was the Jonah Carey status update. So in some way, this can be the Rob Nyer status update because, you know, our listeners slash readers will already know who you are and we can just kind of, you know, see what it is you're up to. I, the thing that I know that you've been up to recently, in fact, um, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. This past weekend, you were in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, and, and on those the hollowed, hollowed campus of uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where the Sloan is it the Sloan Analytics Conference, the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference was taking place. I have to correct you just briefly. Yes, do it. It's, it's always been in Cambridge. The first three were in Cambridge, but this year they went bigger. They uh, had a lot more people, or they, they they sold a lot more tickets essentially, and they moved it to a convention center. Uh, right next to the Boston Harbor. So it, it's the MIT Sloan Sports Anal- Analytics Conference, but this year it was held in, in Boston. So, so similar to, uh, to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim type of situation. <laughs> exactly, exactly like that. Yeah. Right. Well, you were not only there, and it, uh, this is an event, I should say, that's, uh, I, to, to the best of my knowledge, is curated essentially by uh, the Houston Rockets GM and a friend of yours, Daryl Morey. Is that correct? That is, yeah. D- Daryl and I... Uh, when I went to work for StatSync in 1993, the fall of 1993, uh, Daryl at that time was a student at Northwestern. Stats was headquartered in Skokie, Illinois, still is actually. Uh, Daryl was, uh, uh, was was going to Northwestern, and as a part-time job, he, he answered phones um, at StatSync. And so I got to know him there. We played basketball quite a bit every Tuesday morning, whatever it was. And uh, Of course, you know, at the time, I'm not the most... Uh, intuitive or whatever when it comes to to, to other people. Um, I have to say, I, I had no earthly idea that Daryl would ever, I had no idea what he would do at all, let alone that he would one day run a an NBA team and become one of the darlings of the sports media, which he's become. It's really an amazing story. Yeah, yeah, that, that, and that is sort of a, a strange thing. Um, now, I wonder, do you, 
do you think that's the case always if you meet someone before uh they uh, you know scale the heights of fame and success you know is it is it a, do you think you could tell that this person's going to be like this have you had well, any other experiences I don't. no i don't think you i don't think you can tell i think you might get an inkling i think if you're really paying attention i think i probably wasn't paying close enough attention i think i just saw a guy answering phones and thought oh this is a guy answering phones and i think that's one of the challenges that all of us should try to to, 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 to meet is be a little more perceptive, be a little more in, 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 inquisitive, and, and get to know somebody a little, little better, because I feel like an idiot. I'll give you another example. Um, I, um, I went to a World Series game. I think it was game, it was game four or five um, in the 2000 World Series, and I sat next to or maybe two seats away, this is up in the upper deck, from John Daniels, the, the, now the Rangers general manager. Did I did I did I really take five ten minutes and really get to know John Daniels? I didn't. Um, but fr- frankly, I didn't even remember him. It wasn't until later somebody said, "Hey, you know, uh, John Daniels was the game with us that one night." It's like, really? Oh no. So, yeah, exactly. You know, you know, you know I feel like a jerk now because it would be kind of cool to say, "Yeah, me and John Daniels had a really nice conversation," and yeah. and uh, and I could you know it'd be either call him up right now and, and ask him a question. Well, not now because it's. It's midnight in Texas. Yeah, but. please don't, please don't do that. Actually, that'd be. It's not going to be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, you know, it's just it, it's. You think back on all the times when you when you spent some time with someone and, and just didn't really bother to get to know them a little better, and you actually feel foolish. Well, you you, you got to know some people uh, this weekend, I assume, and, and certainly um, you well you you were sort of forced to know to know certain people because you were I guess you were moderating. Uh, you certainly at least moderating a um, one of the panels there, and you attended a couple others. I'm, I'm sort of curious. Of course, I've never been there, and um, I'm guessing that many of our listeners haven't, although they've probably heard of it. You know, we could talk about it as much as you want to, but it looks like you were you were in charge of the uh, you were moderating the baseball analytics panel, and you got some cool names on there. Like I see Tom Tippett. Who, uh, who I understand is the creator of Carmine, or at least has uh, some hand in it. Dan Duquette, who may not be uh, remembered uh, quite as quite as nicely by uh, Red Sox fans, and some other gentlemen. Uh, you, you know, what what happened during that panel? Did, did you learn anything? Is it stressful moderating a panel? It's stressful for me uh, because I don't do that sort of thing very often. Uh, I do a book signings every once in a while when I have a book out and. I've moderated these panels a few times, but uh, uh, I don't get out enough to really get enough practice to feel natural about. And I, I don't know if I would anyway, but but no, it is. It, it's it, it was especially in the beginning. You look out, and there the room was packed. Uh, they put this thing in a room that was really too small for it. Uh, they didn't. They think of it as more of a. Well, at least they did think of the conference as more of sort of a business-oriented uh, event. And they thought, oh, well, it's just baseball stats. Who cares? Well, it turns out the ro- every seat was taken. There were people lined up along the walls, in the back, on the sides. And there were, I'm not sure how many, dozens if not hundreds of people who had to, wait out, had to watch it on the TVs out in the hall. Uh, in fact, the comments I heard, the two comments I heard after the panel, um, one was, love the panel, um, love the, love the, uh, the discussion. And the other comment was, I couldn't get in. So I missed it. Um, so there were a lot of people there, and yeah, I was I, I was nervous. Um, once we got going, though, and there's a little flow, and basically the, I let the panelists for the most part take over, and then it was quite a bit easier. Well, what, what the was other, the? Uh, I mean, do you remember any of the major content, or were you sort of uh, 
so 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 in the moment that it was hard to kind of remember. No, I do. Uh, we talked about defense. You know, there's kind of the basic stuff. I asked questions about defense, modern defense, and um, I asked the panelists about uh, keeping young pitchers healthy. And, and frankly, there wasn't enough on that to really satisfy me, probably because uh, three of the panelists work for major league teams. You mentioned Tom Tippett, who works for the Red Sox. Also, Shiraz Raymond, who works for the Diamondbacks, and John Avamondi, who, who works for the Cardinals. Uh, one of the problems, I don't know if it's a problem, but one drawback of these of panels like this is that the the people who work for the for the teams are pretty reluctant to get into any real detail. They don't want to give anything away, and they all they all have or think they have trade secrets. Now, would, you know, you say it was uh, it was packed. I'm curious. I don't know if you talked to Daryl about this. Is this is this what they expect? I mean, has, has it been like this before? It's almost like a well, rock star type of event. Sounds like yeah. Well, here's here's the problem. Um, it's never been as big before. Uh, in the past, I think they limited the guests or limited the attendees to something like 400 when it was held at MIT, um, and it was easy to get. Uh, and it would be they have a two-track thing where you, you, at the same time my panel's happening, there's another panel in, ne- in the next room. Well, they never had an issue. There was always room in both in room, both rooms for roughly half the people. Well, this time around there were 1,200 people. 1,200 attendees, wow. um, and they just and they had one huge room set up, um, and then they had two smaller rooms set up, and the smaller rooms just weren't big enough uh, for four or five, six hundred people. Now, um, I, I sort of was uh, following your your Twitter feed as all this was going on, and it seemed like two. And uh, if you know, if certainly if you have any more interesting stories that came out of it, let me know. The, the first story uh, that you tweeted about. Uh, concerned. Uh, I don't know if this was a pickup basketball game, but apparently, I think you got uh, you received a hard foul, but from Mark Cuban. Is that a, is that the case? That that's true. Yeah, that was my first. The, <laughs> the thing about the funny thing about the tweeting was that in you know in, in today's world of journalism, what I do, um, especially in this crowd, the crowd I was there, there was you know everybody was their blackberries and everything. What you're supposed to do, of course, is be tweeting all the time, and. You know, theoretically, you could I could have my BlackBerry and been tweeting while I was moderating the panel. Um, I'm sure somebody did that. Well, I don't have a BlackBerry for for one thing, so that really wasn't an option. Uh, I have to go to my my laptop to tweet, and I didn't have it with me. It was back in my hotel room, so I didn't even get near my computer until well after the conference had ended that day. Um, and by the time I got got there, it was time to suit up for basketball. We Daryl Morey invited some people, inc- including me. I think because we have the history of playing basketball way back in the early 90s um, in, in Chicago. He invited me to play, and he, Mark Cuban was there. Um, and yes, he did foul me, although I didn't call anything because he didn't get the ball. Uh, Brent Berry was there. That was, I mean, I've never played, obviously, I've never played basketball with an NBA player, <laughs> or a recent NBA player. So that was an experience. And uh, one of the two or three greatest players in the history of Harvard women's basketball was in the game that was that was impressive and i mean it was just a it was an experience uh it was it, for me it was the highlight of the, of the weekend just because uh i've never gotten to do that before and probably never will again did you uh do you hold your own did you hit any tray bombs uh i i don't take tray bombs um <laughs> because my tray bombs become air balls uh very consistently i i, I made uh, one basket on a three-on-one fast break that was the highlight for me Okay. I, all right. Now the uh, the other tweet of note uh, that uh, that I saw come across your 
Twitter account was uh, with regard to I think I think you're the man who broke this. Correct me if I'm wrong. The, the fact that um, it's very possible that if and when Moneyball is, is made, it will not be. Uh, oh, who was this gentleman who was supposed to? Uh, Dimitri Martin. Sorry, it will not be Dimitri Martin who plays Paul P- D. Podesta, but Jonah Hill. Are you the? Are well, you? What's going on? I, I yes. I I, <laughs> I mean I I say this and I have a sheep of skin on my face as I'm speaking to you. I know it's radio. Nobody can hear it or whatever. Yeah, you, no, it. you sound she- sheepish right do I now. Sound, do I sound sheepish? You sound, you sound totally sheepish. I, I sound sheepish. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I, Michael Lewis was at the conference. Uh, Never heard of him. Uh, well, we'll talk about him later. Okay. Uh, and Michael and I have known each other for a while. It's one of the one of the you know, sidebar. One of the, the best thing about my job, what I do, is aside from getting paid which is nice the second best thing is the people that you get to meet and uh michael lewis is one of the people i've gotten to meet through my job over the years and and we keep in touch from time to time and anyway he was at the conference uh, to moderate a, a, a big superstar panel and um i happened to run into him in the hallway and um i had foolishly wanted to tell him my stupid story about seeing um the blind side the movie a couple of nights before, it was just sort, of, sort of bursting with wanting to tell him about about what was going through my head, and so I bored him with that. And then I think I asked him, or maybe somebody standing next to me asked him about the about the the money ball movie because I I know I I had read somewhere that it was back on maybe for this summer, and so I asked him if he could confirm it because I hadn't seen anything solid. And he said, "Yeah, it's on. It's shooting in June. Um, it's ha- definitely happening." Bennett Miller's directing, he said, which I hadn't seen, and and. Uh, I asked him, Brad Pitt, yeah, Brad Pitt's still going to play Billy Bean. And he said, and here's the other thing. Um, Jonah Hill is going to play Paul D. Podesta. And I was clearly, obviously, as you might imagine, taken aback by this a little bit. And I said immediately, you know, this is actually kind of a cool story. I said, you know, I've not read that anywhere. This is the first I've heard of it. Um, is it are you sure? And may I quote you? Because I didn't want to get him in trouble or anything. He said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Everybody knows. So I went back, I came home um, the next day, Sunday night, I got, got back to Portland, and I'm working on my Monday Mendozas, uh, which is, a, you know, for people who haven't seen it. Is there anybody who hasn't seen it? Probably some. Well, I think, uh, uh, probably Fangraphs. Yeah, that's your, your Linka, your Linka link. My Linka-rama, your as link. I call it. Um, anyway, I was thinking, well, that'd be a fun item to throw in there. And I actually did a little research, went on the web and looked up Jonah Hill, you know, Google News. Didn't find a single thing about about Moneyball, and I'm thinking, really? Uh, nobody has written about this yet. It, it, could, is this, could it possibly be that I'm going to be the first one with this story? And then I thought, what if I'm wrong? What if Michael was wrong, or what if he was just messing with me? Or uh, I'm going to look pretty foolish. And then I thought, it's just the internet. <laughs> Who cares, right? Nobody's going to see it anyways. Um, so I throw this in there. Well, m- Monday morning it pops up or probably late Sunday night um, and Monday this thing is all of a sudden it's all over the place first it's on people, people, movie blogs and then it's on you know within a few hours or the next day it's on entertainmentweekly.com and mtv.com and uh, various other entertainment oriented websites and meanwhile I still don't have any idea if it's actually true uh, which was a little a little odd and most of these things did did quote they, they did they did reference ESPN.com and, and, and often 
Rob Nyer specifically. So it was just an odd experience because it's, it's just a second story that I've ever broken in 14 years of doing this, and I, I didn't really even mean to break a story. Wait, second story? You, you've uh, you've broken stories before? Well, just one. That's why that would make it a second. Well, what was yeah, right. What was the first one? <laughs> the first one was uh, uh, I don't remember the year. It would have been what 2003 or 2004? Well, it could have been 2000. Yeah, 2003 or four. It was um, it was uh, when Bill James was hired by the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox, specifically John Henry, basically handed me the story, and they sort of wanted to do a thing. And I don't, as a favor to me, whoever whoever instigated this, I have no idea. But they they gave me the story. They say they they told me it was going to happen. They told me when I could announce it, and so I was able to work up um, an interview with John Henry and and Theo Epstein and and write a sort of a column about Bill and and uh, we had a whole package about it. And that was sort of a, that's been the highlight of my career in terms of having a story because that's not what I usually do, as you, as you know. Well, you know, I'm actually uh, sort of curious about talking talking about what it is you do. Um, you know, I, I know that the you know where you've sort of settled in now with the sweet spot, and I think that the uh, maybe the content at the sweet spot, or you know Nyer's blog or whatever it's been called, has been free you know uh, for about a year and a half now. Is that about right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was behind the uh, insider wall, and now it's not. Um, you know, you you made a couple references to it. You said that you know the best thing about my job, and and uh, and you know the part of your job is not really breaking stories. I'm curious, and this might have a different flavor, you know, being on the Fangraphs Audio podcast as opposed to, you know, another radio program that you might be on. Um, I'm sort of curious as to how you view your job or what you view as your role, uh, both, I guess, you know, within the sabermetric community and also was sort of of within the larger journalistic community. You know, I know that you're, you know, you probably don't sit around thinking about it all day, the time that I've spent with you. You seem to deflect praise and, you know, sort of uh, estimations of your own, your own, you know, general worth to the public or general fame. But certainly for, uh, you know, over at Fangraphs, you know, between you and and Bill James and a couple other seminal figures, you've made it possible for us to to uh, to do the sort of thing that we're doing. But I guess I'm curious as to what you see your role now, both, you know, both the sabermetricians and to the general public. Well. I think there it's almost a two part question. Um, I could I could talk about what my role is and I could talk about what my what my place is within that within the milieu. And I think there I'll make it easy though and say that I can't really say what my place is because I don't it's impossible for me to to, to, to judge that. Um, uh, could Barack Obama judge it? I mean would you if he said something Probably if he studied up, yeah, he's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> um, I uh, I've been around for a long time doing this. Um, my 14-year anniversary at ESPN.com um, is next week, March 15th, I believe. And, and as anybody my age will tell you, uh, I'm 43, it, that passes in an eye blink. Um, but the fact is that while I've got a much bigger audience than I had then, and a lot of really wonderful things have happened to me in those 14 years, um, I, on some level, as most of us do, I think, I still think of myself as that guy who came in that first day and didn't know what he was doing, didn't really have a role, um, had almost no audience. I think when, when I first started writing a column a couple of months later, I probably had, you know, maybe three or four thousand readers on a good day, um, which uh, by today's standards is is almost nothing. Um, hadn't written any books, 
I'm, I was just a guy trying to trying to get by, basically. And that's still how I tend to think of myself. So it's hard for me to really say what my place is. Um, it's nice. It is nice when people come to me and say, "I've been reading you since 1996 or 98 or whatever," and and I'll meet young baseball executives who. Uh, John Abamondi, for example, who again was on the panel that I moderated, um, he was telling me that when he was, he was actually, uh, he flew combat missions over Iraq, um, in, in, in this current war basically, and, and, uh, he was telling me that he would, you know, he and his buddies would, would read my stuff, um, on the, sh- on the aircraft carrier. You know, just, I, I love stories like that because it sort of, ties me to the real world as opposed to just this guy, you know, just being a guy who sits here uh, punching his keyboard all day and not knowing who's, who's seen the electrons. So um, I, I enjoy that sort of thing. It's gratifying, um, but I'm not in a position to, I don't have the objectivity to really figure out where I, where I fit into the whole thing. As far as my role, I, I think it's changed a lot. I think that when I started, I actually felt, not that I thought about it a lot, but I did think about it sometimes, and I, I felt like... I did have a role. There was a place for someone who could talk about, who could write about on-base percentage and OPS. And at that point, we were still talking about, I don't know, range factor or some early version of zone rating or whatever it might have been because nobody was really doing that on the web, not not on a big site anyways. Um, certainly there were people on Rexport Baseball, people who later um, wound up um, – doing baseball perspectives. Those guys were doing that stuff, but it was a very, for the most part, it was a very insular or insulated conversation. Um, people talking to each other as opposed to someone talking to anybody who cared to listen, which is what I was trying to do. Um, that role isn't really there for me anymore. Uh, in, in some ways, the discussion has passed me by. I can't, I mean, there are people doing things at fan graphs and, 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 and various other places that are, uh, Way past what I what, what I'm able to do intellectually and uh, you know educate whatever I, I don't have the I can't use SQL and um, <laughs> whatever um, so my role now I think has changed a lot from then now I'm not the, trying to say hey you guys um, here's what here's what I know um, you guys should know this too now it's more like here's what these guys know and let's figure it out together. Um, and I'm okay with that. I mean, it's 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 not on the I'm not on the cutting edge anymore. But there are people who are, and I still have a format at ESPN.com that allows me to send people to this new stuff, and and that's I think that's that's got some value too. It's just a different sort of value. Well, I'm curious. You know, um, I think it was you know maybe two weeks ago now, John Sickles, I think uh, through his website or maybe through uh, minor league minor league ball, one of the ESP Nation blogs over there. Uh, he had sort of a reflective piece. You know, he's mostly writing stuff about minor league prospects, but he had a reflective piece, I guess, on the state of sabermetrics, and he was discussing you know, the fact that maybe things had become too granular at some level, you know, that we were we were answering questions that were too small and maybe missing the forest for the trees. I don't know, I don't know what that saying means, but I, I think that's the time that people use it. Um, yes. And you know, it, it, as a from my perspective, of course, I'm not the most. Um, well, I, I you know, I think I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm not like the best guys at Hardball Times or or Fangraphs or Baseball Prospectus. Um, I could sympathize with them a little bit. Um, I think that maybe sometimes, you know, at, at its most extreme, you do co- sort of get the sense that the 
some of the studies that are being done on the various baseballing websites, they're certainly not for a general reader, and, and maybe they're more directed towards uh, showing off, you know, to to a front office than they are to to the readership. Uh, so at some level, uh, you know, I could uh, sympathize with Sickles' point, but at the same time, you know, there is it, it could just be that it's out of his, side of his comfort level, but you know, you know, he's maybe just a generation behind too. I'm sort of curious as to whether you ever you ever you know come to, come to that feeling, or are you just ready for anything that's new? You'll read and 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 try your best to understand it. Well, I, I, I have my patience wears thin sometimes too. It doesn't I, I don't really. I'll tell you what the the, the things that, that that annoy me, the writing, the, the sort of stuff on the web that annoys me is not stuff that's too complex. Because when I see stuff that's too complex for me, I just think I should be smarter. And there's there are people somewhere who are reading this and going, ah, yes, that makes sense. <laughs> that informs me, and that's a good thing. I, I don't. I would never begrudge a writer for for being complex, especially if he's if he's right. Um, what I what I don't care for a lot are are, are these uh, essays that run for three or four thousand words and are complex, because then I, then I just don't. Uh, maybe it's me. You know, it's funny. I thought that the that my generation was supposed to have the the longer attention span, and it was your generation or maybe the generation after you that's not supposed to have the attention span, and that you know I, I've always been told that. On the web, the the best, you know, you you should try to keep it keep it relatively brief. Uh-huh. I'm not saying 400 words, but um, 800 to 1,000, 1,200 to me is a pretty solid length for something on the web. And when I see these things that are two, three, four times that, you know, my eyes just sort of glaze over, and I, and I want to move on to the next thing. So that's the beef that I have sometimes: is that it's, it's too long, and not that it's. You know, I should be more specific. It isn't this stuff is too long? Some of my favorite movies last three hours. It's that it's longer than it has to be. Um, I almost wonder if, because there are no physical limits to what you can put on the web, um, there's a certain discipline that gets lost sometimes. Well, it is sort of interesting because I, I think for you, well, I guess, I don't know, you don't necessarily come from a pure journalistic background um, or a pure numbers background. You sort of have a, a funny hybrid, I guess. Um, you know, But it does seem as though if there is a divide... I wouldn't say it's like you know it's 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 not like a number of scouts type divide, but there are people who come to baseball writing and even advanced analysis uh, from more of a journalistic background, and there are other guys who come at it from you know an economics or mathematics uh, or statistics background, and that does seem you know maybe to um, to create some of that strife. I don't know, but do I do you, I mean your your background is more in the doing as opposed to the education, isn't that right? Uh, I don't what's, I don't understand the dichotomy. Uh, well, it's a it's a false dichotomy. That's <laughs> that's why <laughs> that's why I create. It. But I'm saying like you know some someone like Jonah Carey, for example, has a foundation more in uh, journalism, right? And uh, yes, I have none. I have no foundation. You have no, you have no foundation. I have no foundation in journalism whatsoever. Uh, the only thing I ever learned about writing, I learned uh, I was self-taught. I, the, I, the only thing I, I learned writing was reading a lot and having Bill James take yeah. every single sentence that I had written. And pick it apart and tell me how, how awful it was, and that's a good way to learn. Um, not many people get get that gift, um, but and, but but a lot of it. And then of course, just writing a lot helps too. But um, no, I I have no no education, and but I think that <laughs> the bottom line is, good writing is good writing, um, and good writing can be four thousand words, but quite often on the web it's not. Um, and that's look the, again the barrier to entry is so low. 
that there are, there's a lot of stuff on the web that just isn't well written. It may be it may be highly informed, um, it may be brilliant, but it isn't well written. And I love uh, I would rather read something that was really well written and, and not all that informative than vice versa. That's just me. That's my preference. I love words, and I, I have a low, relatively little patience with with poor writing or or just okay writing because I know. Then I can go someplace else, somewhere. Somebody's going to really thrill me with their with 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 their with, with their style, and, and that's the sort. Of, I live for that kind of thing. Okay. Well, listen. So, so that that's some nuts and bolts type of stuff. I, I think that we need to get to the most important part of the interview now, though, Nair. <laughs> and uh, I I have no idea why you're chuckling because because uh, it's not it's not a laughing matter. You are uh, you're now the namesake. You're you're the eponymous. Uh, uh, the eponymous website, the Rob Nyer, Rob Nyer Baseball, right? It's actually ImagineSports.com to get there, but it's magically. No, nope. you can go to RobNyerBaseball.com as well. No way. That will redirect you to Imagine Sports. Yes, that, sir. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm, I'm going to go type that type that in my computer right after we get yes. off the phone here. <laughs> now, I wrote about it, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago now, a month ago, because I was pretty excited to be invited to the Rob Nyer Media League uh, with you know, with such luminaries as yourself and uh, and Jonah Carey, Craig Calcaterra, uh, Gordon Eads. Yeah, right. Gordon. Yeah, Gordon Eads. Certainly, Randy Jazierly, who uh, who can be found <laughs> over a what is it? Randy on the Royals. Uh, Randy on the Royals. Yes, sir. Yeah, bemoaning his uh, his home his hometown team. Now, I thought, you know, ugh, God, going against these guys. You know, they're maybe a, a generation behind so far as baseball writing goes. I am going to. I'm going to crush them. I'm going to crush these old guys. And this is not the case. In fact, I'm looking at the standings right now. You know, this is a 12-team league. Nair, I'm, uh, I got a 17-46 and 46 record, you know, and uh, that's a 270 winning percentage. The next worst is 429, I think. That's the Park Slope Muggles, and I actually forget right now at the moment who, who that belongs to. Um, you know, I'm thinking... Richard, that, that would be my friend Richard Lally. Right, Richard Lally, right. author and and star of the movie Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah, the, so 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 this is the thing. Um, you know, I, I'm curious. I don't because I know it's not my fault. I'm curious as to why Rob Nyer Rob Nyer Baseball is uh, hates Italian people. I have to ask because I never had before. Yeah. Have you ever played any sort of baseball simulation, Stratomatic, uh, Diamond Mind? App, uh, anything like that? Well, I, I did. I did uh, a couple of years of WhatIfSports.com, which I think uh, roughly similar idea in terms of roster construction. How'd you do? Mm, really good. Huh? But you know, I don't know. This is my first time round. But come on, I don't know. Has Josh Wilker, who's also in the league, has he done this before? He's first place in my division. You know, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I just I've read Josh's new book, Cardboard Gods, which I highly recommend to anyone listening. Um, I, I don't remember any reference in there to any sort of baseball gaming. But Josh is a really smart guy. It, what, but you know what? The way you're saying that implies something. It requires an. I mean, you're saying he's smarter than me. He well, he must be. Uh, he's 18 games ahead of me. Oh, well, he's probably just luckier than you. It's probably just mostly luck. Well, I am. Uh, I would like to announce to the world right now that I am five and 19 in one-run games. There you go. That's a, that's that's a good. What is that? That's a good. Uh, that's a seven-game swing right there. You should be twenty-four and uh, thirty-nine. Oh, cram it, Nair. Uh, <laughs> I'm never going over your house again. I don't care. 
<laughs> All right. Well, the, well, I see the Wabash Mashers are actually doing quite well, and uh, you know, by your own, uh, not that you were bragging, but uh, you did mention before we started recording that you lead the league in run differential. Uh, by a hair over my uh, my uh, my main opponent. Uh, uh, look, I, I played in two other leagues since 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 uh, this thing became this, uh, became known as Rob Nyer Baseball and got utterly hammered in both leagues. So uh, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with well, for me, um, playing uh, some people who haven't played a lot before is is really helping my game. I really can't speak to your predicament, but uh, I'm sure things will get better. Well, I, I would like if you could speak to my predic- predicament eventually. Not, not that predicament, just you know the predicament we call life. The general predicament. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, one thing I want to ask you about. Um, I think it was I don't know last year during the playoffs. I'm inclined to think, although I'm not I'm not positive exactly. Um, you started something called the Sweet Spot Network, and it, for, at that time I believe it was uh, it was the remaining playoff teams. I'm looking at it now, and I see maybe six teams. Uh, I'm sort of curious. Is that is that going to become a thing for you guys, or are you just going to leave those six teams and to say uh, screw you to the rest of the majors? <laughs> no, it is. We're 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 planning to launch um, the Sweet Spot Network relaunch it, I guess you could say, in uh, um, later this month at the end of the month, right, a week before opening day, probably. Uh, and uh, you know, the goal is to eventually have all 30 teams. We're, I don't know if we're going to have all 30 teams, um, but the model for anybody who follows. ESPN.com's NBA coverage. The model is uh, the, the True Hoop Network, and they've got 30 teams plus five or six other associated blogs. Um, so that's what we're trying to get to. I don't. Again, I don't think it'll happen. Um, it's uh, it's tough out there. I mean, uh, uh, a lot of the good, the best blogs tend to be um, already affiliated with uh, with other big websites. Uh, so, and I just haven't had a, a lot of luck on, with some of the teams uh, finding uh, independent blogs. That I think uh, uh, meet the standards that we're looking for. So uh, there, there are going to be some opportunities there this spring for for people uh, to start new blogs, and uh, if they want to be a part of what we're doing, uh, there should be some openings. Well, uh, if you know off the top of your head, can you think of two or three teams that that you need the most help with, maybe, or sort of? Uh... Well, I mean, right now there I could think of ten teams that we need help with. It's either zero help or a lot of help, and uh, there are ten teams that I really don't have anybody for yet. Um, and I'd say, you know, I, I really, for anybody listening who's got a blog and has some, 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 an audience, I probably already checked it out and just, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was a style thing or a frequency thing or, or whatever, um, I, I just didn't think it was a good fit. But, um, I, mean, I can tell you that right now we don't have anybody for the Angels or the Athletics or the Blue Jays or the Marlins or the Pirates or the Reds. And uh, there are a few others that we have candidates for, but have, don't have locked in yet. But those are the ones that right now I have, I have, I have nothing going on. Okay. Well, so 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 there'll be something going on with that. Uh, it's a, t- a little bit TBD at the moment, though. Yeah, but we are going to launch. Whether we have whether we have 20 bloggers or or 30 bloggers, we're, we're we're going to launch at the end of the month. And that's that's the way that uh, True Hoop when they launched, they did the same thing. They launched with 20, I think, and um, about a year ago. And uh, filled them in, and, and now they've got all 30 again, plus a few more, and and they've been incredibly successful. I mean, their their bloggers have media credentials, a lot of them, and and uh, have done all sorts of neat things. Well, cool. Now, listen, uh, before this becomes a uh, the equivalent, the audio equivalent of a of a 4,000 word uh, <laughs> uh, blog post, um, let's shut her down. But I do want to, you know, before we go, I want to thank you very much 
uh, you know, for this particular interview, but also uh, for uh, any of the other opportunities you've allowed me to uh, take advantage of. Uh, Rob Nyer, so thank you very much. It's uh, happy to do it anytime, Carson. Thanks. All right. Thank you, sir. Take care. That marks yet another white-hot edition of Fangraphs Audio. I'd like to thank Rob Nyer for joining us. I'd like to thank the listener for listening. I would be remiss not to remind the listener about Fangraphs' recent foray into the publishing world. Of course, I'm discussing the 2010 Second Opinion. That's the Fangraphs' 2010 Second Opinion. Use it as your fantasy guide. Use it simply as your de facto baseball annual. Fangraphs' Second Opinion is available at Fangraphs.com for the shockingly reasonable price of $7.95. In addition to a PDF, you also receive access to our bonus blog, which includes all articles by Fangraphs writers that appear at ESPN Insider, and you also receive the full content of the PDF at the website itself. That's the Fangraphs Second Opinion. Once again, I am Carson Sestouli. Thank you for joining us at Fangraphs Audio. Until next time. Thank you.